0: Biden stole classified documents. Biden coerced big tech to censor us. Felonies abound. He must be impeached. Let's talk about it on this special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you into the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 318 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show from Monday, January 8th, 2023. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refused to even mention. On August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, DocWashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. All right, let's get after it. Biden classified documents. And by the way, tip of the hat to a fellow who goes by the Twitter handle of "Amuse." One of the top conservatives on Twitter, suspended by Joel Roth of Twitter in 2021, freed by Elon Musk in 2022. And here we go. Just days before the 2022 midterms, Attorney General Merrick Garland secretly ordered the FBI and U.S. Attorney John Lausch to seize the classified records Biden retained while serving as Obama's vice president that he had left in a closet in a multi-tenant office building in Washington, D.C. Now, here's a picture, and on the wall it says Penn, Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement. Penn being P-E-N-N, short for University of Pennsylvania. Now, a lot of people who've heard about this story think that this office is in Scranton, Pennsylvania, because the mainstream media is conveniently leaving out a lot of things, including the fact that, no, no, it's in Washington, D.C. Biden's lawyers were emptying, were emptying Biden's office at the Penn-Biden Center, when they found highly sensitive classified documents Biden illegally removed from the White House when he served as vice president under Obama. CBS reporters acting on a tip learned of the classified documents, left in an unsecured office, and were told the documents included sensitive nuclear secrets. The DOJ told the reporters that no nuclear codes were among the documents. Well, they'd never lie, would they? The classified documents were located in a closet at 101 Constitution Avenue, Northwest, Washington, D.C., 20001 for six years. The building is home to dozens of companies and is a popular venue for weddings and parties, the suite for Biden's office. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You remember when that Hunter Biden stuff came out a while back? And they were going to have an office, and Hunter was going to have a key, and the big guy, right, 10% for the big guy, Joe was going to have a key. And their partner from Communist China was going to have a key. Do you remember that? But I digress. Here's a really pretty picture of the building. Penn Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement, Suite 600W at 101 Constitution Avenue, Northwest Washington, D.C. Who else is in the building? Sinclair Broadcast Group. Gilead Sciences, Distilled Spirits Council, Charlie Palmer, Entergy, Lados Holdings, National Mining Association, Celebro Media, Goldman Sachs, Univision, Van Skoyak Associates, General Dynamics, Capital Tax Partners, FedEx, Washington Gas, American Council of Life Insurers, EntraVision Communications Corporation, Nelson Mullins, Riley & Scarborough, you know that almost sounds like a law firm. Honeywell International, Coal Exporters of the United States, Exelon. And there are hundreds of events each year at the 101 Constitution Rooftop Terrace. But wait, there's more. The House of Representatives must investigate why Attorney General Merrick Garland kept the discovery, seizure, and investigation of Biden's illegal retention of classified documents secret prior to the midterm elections. Oh, yes, children. November 2nd was when the DOJ moved on it six days before the midterm elections. President Trump asked when the FBI plans to raid Biden's various homes to determine if there are more illegally removed classified documents in the president's possession. Oh, yes. The classified materials reportedly included top secret files, designated sensitive compartmented information or SCI, meaning the highly sensitive information was obtained from intelligence sources, according to CNN CNN is even saying it. Gee, I wonder why a business partner to Joe and Hunter Biden, who works for the Communist Chinese Party, would want to see top secret, sensitive compartmented information. I I, I just can't imagine. I can't imagine. I can't do the math. I can't make two and two equal four. I don't have a clue. I mean, you know, you wouldn't want to think badly of a guy who stole his way into the Oval Office, would you? Oh, by the way, flashback: Biden attacked President Trump for mishandling supposedly classified documents, and I'm gonna I'm gonna deal with that here in just a minute. Oh, also, the Washington D.C. office of the Penn-Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement, where the classified documents were stored, was paid for by donations from China, amounting to $54 million collected by University of Pennsylvania. I'm sure there's no connection there, right? Right? By the way, the great Leo Terrell reminds us, As vice president, Joe Biden did not have the authority to declassify documents. Nope. The president has that authority, not the vice president. Well, gee, since CBS broke the story, let's hear, let's hear how they covered it. This should be interesting.
1: Breaking news. CBS News has learned the Department of Justice is reviewing classified Obama-Biden records found at a private office once used by Joe Biden after he was vice president. CBS's Adriana Diaz
0: explains. Now again, why are we finding out about this over two months later? Because DOJ moved on it six days before the election.
1: Three sources tell CBS News the classified documents were discovered in this building about a mile from the White House at the offices of the Biden. Penn Biden
0: Center. By the way, if I may just interject here, I've never heard of this reporter. CBS's top investigative reporter is one that they stole away from Fox News. Catherine Harridge, yeah. How come she's not the one reporting this story? All right, here's more. A foreign policy research institute
1: set up after President Biden left the vice presidency. According to a source familiar with the matter, the classified documents are small in number and were found in November
0: in a box among unclassified material. Oh, well, small in number, no big deal. We're going to minimize this felony... Because we're CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System, and we are, we are down with the regime. There'll be more minimizing here in just a moment.
1: Sources would not characterize how sensitive the documents are. Responding to requests from CBS News, the White House counsel said that on November 2nd of last year, before the midterm elections, lawyers for President Biden were cleaning out office space at the center.
0: Now, She did mention it was before the uh, elections. Interesting.
1: When they discovered the documents marked classified in a locked closet, they stopped
0: the work and contacted the White House. And, of course, CBS is going to believe every word they say because they're Democrats. Oh, well, they're in a – look, it's a small number of documents, and the documents were in a box in a locked closet. How do we know that? Well, because Biden's lawyers said so. And lawyers getting paid good money would never lie for their clients, especially if they're not under oath, right? Because all lawyers are pure as a driven snow, honest, straightforward, and above board. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, especially if they're not under oath, right? Right, right? You know, It's like um, when I did an earlier episode about this Sam Bankman-Fried guy, the FTX guy, and George Step on all of us for ABC interviewing him and setting the example for you to believe everything this embezzler is saying. Take him at his word. This is how they play the games. White House
1: lawyers then reached out to the National Archives, which is responsible for the records. The archives in turn contacted the Department of Justice. Attorney General Merrick Garland then tasked the U.S. attorney in Chicago, John Lausch, a Trump appointee, with determining what is in the documents and how they arrived at the Penn Biden Center.
0: Now. Every word of this report may be true. However, comma, we have been trained to not be surprised if every word of it, or the majority of it, or some of it, is not true. Why? Because it's the mainstream media, and they lie for a living to cover for Democrats. That's why. We don't know that she's lying. But we have no particular reason to think that she's telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You know, i got to tell you something. I will never forget. I was about two and a half, three years old. A little fellow. My dad told me the story of the little boy who cried wolf. And I remember he was like up in my face. And I don't know what it was I lied about because it's been a long time ago. But what I do remember is he scared the living daylights out of me. I didn't want to get eaten up by some wolf. Well, see, the network news, they have no concept of a little boy cried wolf, which is why they keep on lying about stuff. CBS, former home of Walter Cronkite, who we found out just a few years ago lied to us about the Tet, the Tet offensive in of 1968. He said we lost it, but we won it. Anyway, here's more. The
1: FBI is also involved in the preliminary inquiry, which a source says is nearing its
0: conclusion. Of course it's nearing its conclusion. I mean, DOJ appointed a special counsel to give them cover for when they finally indict Trump. But no special counsel for Biden. And the obvious corruption there. I guarantee you, she's not going to say a word about the China connection here.
1: This development comes as the Justice Department is investigating former President Trump's handling of classified documents.
0: But see, former President Trump was a a president. See, she's never read the Presidential Records Act. Either that or she doesn't want you to know about it. The president can declassify anything he wants. The vice president can't. She's not going to make that distinction. With over
1: 300 found at Mar-a-Lago, the FBI seized some of the documents after the former president failed to comply with multiple requests to return them for over a year. President Biden was critical of Trump when he spoke to Scott Pelley in September on 60 Minutes.
0: When you saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago. What did you think to yourself, looking at that image? How that could possibly happen? Scott Pelley, 60 Minutes, anchor of the CBS Evening News, lobbing in a softball underhanded for Dementia Joe. How did you feel? What did you think? Do you know why there were these documents all over the floor at Mar-a-Lago? Because the FBI agents threw them all over the floor. CBS doesn't want you to know that. How anyone could be that irresponsible? Dementia or not, he's lying and he knows he's lying.
1: Former federal prosecutor Scott Fredrickson says there are important differences between this Biden inquiry and that involving former President Trump. But
0: not the ones... He's going to tell you about they brought in this lib, this Scott Fredrickson. Oh, yeah, 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 I looked up his pedigree. Yeah, I looked up his bio. They brought him in. To make Biden look good and Trump look bad. And here he does it.
1: How significant is it that these documents were self-reported, voluntarily turned over?
0: But they weren't. Biden did not report it, did not turn them over. Attorneys did. I think the self-reporting here is probably the single most important part of this situation. Of course it is. Of course. Do you realize, do you understand how they're playing you here? It's as if the Presidential Records Act doesn't even exist. Uh, It indicates a lack of intentional
1: conduct. It's completely different from the Mar-a-Lago case, uh, which
0: tends, based on reporting, to indicate there was intentionally uh, activity to take those documents. Nothing to see here. Everything's just fine. Y'all move along.
1: And Adriana Diaz is here with us. So so where are these documents now? Well, Nora, the White House Counsel's Office tells us that the National Archive retrieved the documents the day after they were discovered, and they are now in a secure location. Now, the U.S. Attorney's Review is nearing its completion, and then the Attorney General will decide if a criminal investigation is warranted. Adriana Diaz, with that new reporting, thank you so much.
0: The Attorney General. You mean... Merrick Garland, Biden's press agent? Really? But they're acting like everything is uh, honest and above board. They know it's not, but they want you to think it is. Now, we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about what the holdouts were able to get accomplished on the Speaker of the House situation. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about the new Twitter files that have come out, the new email evidence of the Biden regime colluding with big tech to unconstitutionally deny you your First Amendment rights and we, we still have quite a bit to say about Biden stealing classified documents and why he must be impeached. That's all coming up straight ahead. Look, if you tried to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage. You may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy a line, and they will drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way. If you have any questions, Red River makes this so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live in the continental USA, RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. All right, as you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. Now, he didn't stop by simply creating my pillow, the best pillow ever. Mike also created the best bed sheets ever. They look great. They feel great. Which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. My wife and I just love sleeping on our Giza Dream bed sheets. Now Mike is offering the best deal on his Giza Dreams bed sheets. You can get a set of Giza Dreams sheets for as low as 29.98. The first night you sleep on these sheets, you will never want to sleep on anything else again. Mike is making a special offer for my listeners. You can get a set of Giza sheets for as low as 29.98 just by using promo code DWS. And right now, a set of pillowcases for only 998. In this economy, instead of buying a new bed, Rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper for as low as ninety nine ninety nine. My pillow also has blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles like plush, waffle, or gossamer for as low as twenty nine ninety eight. Get huge discounts on duvets, quilts, down comforters, and so much more. Use that promo code DWS. For Doc Washburn Show, of course. And you'll get huge discounts on all my pillow bedding, including MyPillow Giza Dream Sheets for just $29.98. Mike's other passion is to support American entrepreneurs and bring manufacturing back to the USA. For years, people approached Mike Lindell with great products, but had no way of marketing them. MyStore.com was created to give those people a voice and a platform to bring you their amazing products made right here in the USA. MyStore.com has all kinds of great deals on automotive products, bath and beauty, books and video, clothing, decor items, food and drink, garden and patio, health, home improvement, household essentials, kitchen and dining, Personal care, sports and outdoors, toys and games, and so much more. I'm wearing my new My Slippers moccasins. I had no idea slippers could feel this good. Right now, save up to $90 on My Slippers, slip-ons, and moccasins, marked down to just $49.98 by using promo code DWS. Not only that, Mike Lindell is having the biggest closeout sale ever on his sandals and slides for as low as nineteen ninety eight. What makes my slippers different is Mike's exclusive four-layer design that you're not going to find in any other slippers. My slippers' patented layers make them ultra-comfortable, extra du- extremely durable, and they help reduce stress on your feet. Wear them anytime, anywhere. Just use promo code DWS. Now remember... That promo code does not stand for washed-up liberal Democrat politician Debbie Wasserman Schultz out of Florida. No, no, nope. It stands for Doc Washburn Show. MyPillow.com and MyStore.com. Quantities are extremely limited at these amazing prices, so please order now. Just use promo code DWS. All right, now, the great Margot Cleveland over at The Federalist. She has an article, and it is entitled, There's a Difference Between Biden and Trump's Classified Documents Snafus, But It's Not What You Think. Here's what she said. Nearly six years after Joe Biden's term as vice president ended, classified materials, including some reportedly top secret files, were discovered in the closet of a think tank, housed on the sixth floor of a private office building in Washington, D.C. The news comes less than four months after Joe Biden called former President Donald Trump irresponsible, following the seizure from Trump's Mar-a-Lago home with documents marked classified. The Biden administration has already moved to preempt claims of hypocrisy by leaking the existence of a Justice Department investigation into the matter. But it is much too late to undo the double standard that led to the FBI raiding Trump's home in Florida last year. Yesterday's breaking news story said Attorney General Merrick Garland has assigned the U.S. attorney in Chicago to review classified documents found at the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement in Washington. Two sources with knowledge of the inquiry, told CBS News. So Richard Sauber, a special counsel to Joe Biden, who was reportedly hired by the White House in May of 2022 to assist in the administration's response to any potential Republican-led investigations, confirmed to CBS News that the classified documents were discovered on November 2, 2022. According to Richard Sauber, while Biden's personal attorneys were packing files housed in a locked closet to prepare to vacate office space at the Penn Biden Center in Washington, D.C., they discovered the documents. Unnamed sources told CBS News that the classified documents were in a folder stored within a box containing other unclassified papers. While CBS News noted that the sources did not reveal what the classified documents contained, nor their level of classification, CNN later reported the classified materials included some top-secret files with a sensitive compartmented information designation, also known as SCI, which is used for highly sensitive information obtained from intelligence sources. The discovery that Biden had stored classified documents at a private D.C. think tank is especially embarrassing for the president, well, let's call him the resident. Given comments he made in September 2022 when he sat down with Scott Pelley in 60 Minutes, when asked how he reacted to seeing photographs of several documents bearing classification markings seized at Mar-a-Lago, Biden remarked that he wondered how that could possibly happen, and how anyone could be that irresponsible. Biden told Scott Pelley, I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? It's just totally irresponsible. Now, while Biden has yet to personally address the discovery of the classified documents in his former office, having ignored questions on the issue from reporters covering his summit in Mexico City, his administration is already spinning the story. One Biden source told CNN that his lawyers immediately contacted the National Archives and Records Administration, which started looking into the matter. Biden's team cooperated with NARA, National Archives and Records Administration, which later came to view the situation as a mistake due to lack of safeguards for documents. That is what was in the CNN report, quoting an unnamed source. Margot Cleveland at Federalist.com says, Similarities between the situations remain striking with classified documents, both at Mar-a-Lago and at the Biden think tank, co-mingled with unclassified documents, reportedly including top-secret documents, and stored in a closet. But she also says... At least Trump's Mar-a-Lago home was private and protected by the Secret Service, while the Penn-Biden Center office was located at a busy Washington, D.C. office building that spanned some 10 stories and included numerous public areas, including a reception area on the roof that hosted weddings and other private events. Nonetheless, The Biden administration seeks to squelch the controversy by focusing on his cooperation with the National Archives and Records Administration. But it is the lack of cooperation by the National Archives and Records Administration with former President Trump that marks the real difference in the situations. Margot Cleveland says Even before the Obama Biden administration ended, former President Obama rented a private facility in Hoffman Estates, that's a nice, very nice area of Chicago, to serve as a storage place for his presidential papers. And by October 2016, while he was in office, shipments of artifacts from his presidency began arriving at the suburban Chicago storage facility. Now, the National Archives and Records Administration would later work with Obama to ship his documents to the Chicago suburb. And the Obama documents, both classified and unclassified, remained at the Hoffman Estates location well into 2018. Margot Cleveland says, as I wrote in August, that would have been when the FBI raided Trump's place, as I wrote in August, oh yeah, shortly after the FBI's raid on former President Trump's home, the only difference between the Hoffman estate storage of the Obama presidential records that began in 2016 and the Mar a Lago storage of Trump's presidential records was that the documents were technically within the possession of NARA, right? The National Archives and Records Administration. But even though the documents were legally the property of the National Archives and Records Administration, Obama still had the right to access the records, including classified documents. So, if the NARA had legitimate concerns about Trump's possession of presidential records at Mar-a-Lago, they would have worked to arrange for the documents to be preserved under the auspices of NARA, control, in a location chosen by Trump as it had done with Obama but the NRA the NARA again National Archives and Records Administration did not work with Trump with the records instead suggesting that a backbench bureaucrats' partisan grievance spurred the FBI's nakedly political raid on Trump. And that is where the real double standard is seen. Who knows, too, what classified documents the FBI might have discovered had it raided all the Biden and Obama properties mere months after they left office, as agents did to Trump. We'll never know that answer, though, because the NARA proudly partnered with a former Obama-Biden administration, and that is the appropriate Comparator to consider. Not how the NARA or the DOJ responded to the recent discovery of Biden's secreted classified documents in a public office building. Of course, given their very public mistreatment of Trump, the NARA had to refer the case to DOJ, and Attorney General Merrick Garland had to assign a U.S. attorney to investigate the matter. But the supposed equal treatment on display, now does not undo the NARA's partisan targeting of Trump that began the day he walked out of the White House for the last time. Nonetheless, it is quite satisfying to watch the Biden administration eat crow. Well, now, there's one other big difference. The president can declassify anything he wants to, but Biden doesn't get to do that. Oh, and another, the FBI... Went through Melania's closet and her drawers. Got to see her lingerie, the whole thing. So again, I echo President Trump. When uh, does the raid happen on Biden's homes? Yeah? Anything? Yeah, we are... uh, we're certainly waiting on that. Tristan Justice, also over at the com article entitled, and this is a short one, article entitled, Where is the FBI Raid of Joe Biden? He says there are plenty of reasons why four out of five Americans see a two-tiered justice system. On Monday, federal officials gave the public another textbook example. Attorney General Merrick Garland ordered the U.S. attorney in Chicago to investigate nearly a dozen documents marked classified from Joe Biden's time as vice president found at a private office, according to CBS News. The documents, supposedly marked top secret, were found buried at a space Biden used when he was an honorary professor at the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement in Washington. The center was a project of the University of Pennsylvania. So CBS said the material was identified by personal attorneys for Mr. Biden on November 2nd, just before the midterm elections. Richard Sauber, special counsel to the president, confirmed the documents were discovered when Mr. Biden's personal attorneys were packing files housed in a locked closet to prepare to vacate office space at the Penn Biden Center in Washington, D.C. Now, there were no federal agents raiding Dementia Joe Biden's personal offices. No dramatic press conferences announcing the prosecution of an enemy of the state and certainly no warrants granting law enforcement virtually unlimited scope to confiscate whatever they wanted, like there were with Trump. It remains unclear what documents exactly Biden may have been stashing in the closet of an old workspace. They may not even be important, considering Washington has a chronic overclassification problem Just try compelling a federal agency to cough up public documents through the Freedom of Information Act. How the documents were discovered, however, shows Americans all they need to know about the political nature of the nation's premier law enforcement agencies. When former President Donald Trump was suspected of harboring classified papers in his Florida residence in Mar-a-Lago, Attorney General Garland sent more than 30 clothes FBI agents to raid the 128-room complex as the administration's personal stormtroopers. The Attorney General's foot soldiers even rifled through Melania Trump's wardrobe, operating under a warrant that allowed agents to confiscate any record her husband may have come into contact with when president. Federal officials ultimately carried away 15 boxes of material that the Justice Department claims featured the nation's most heavily guarded secrets. Well, now, the Democrats' latest investigation of Trump launched just months before the November midterms and has since been handed over to special counsel. On the other hand, Biden, whose family looks guilty, of nearly everything Democrats accused the Trumps of for years remains untouched by the Justice Department. Attorney General Garland refuses to transfer agency investigations of Hunter Biden's business ventures to a similar special counsel independence of presidential oversight despite the clear conflict of interest. Meanwhile, the raid at Mar-a-Lago was almost certainly conducted as a fishing expedition for a broader investigation. The search carried out with a wide-ranging warrant was authorized under purported suspicion that Trump violated the Presidential Records Act, a rarely prosecuted law. Now, given the Democrats' lustful pursuit of Trump's Criminal conviction as the top item on their policy agenda for six years is nearly impossible to believe that Merrick Garland's deputies were acting independent of political motivations. You think? The double standard formula for prosecuting Republicans would not be complete without the media's assistance. When Trump allegedly does something, it's democracy dying in darkness put down on his deathbed by the orange-haired chief of the mega-insurgency. When Biden allegedly does the same thing, eh, it's a shrug of the shoulders, complimented by spin from the Washington Post. Within hours of the CBS story's publication on Monday night, the Washington Post gave cover to the White House. The Post reported, and I quote, The case will likely draw comparisons to Mar-a-Lago, but appears quite different. Officials have said the Trump investigation concerns not just the possible mishandling of classified documents, but possible obstruction of justice or destruction of records. So, in other words, liberal pundits masquerading as journalists are right back to square one, repeating accusations about obstruction of justice as if the D.C. press were a broken record. Where is the FBI raid of any one of the Biden's residences? I'll tell you where it is. It's not coming. All right. That was the great Tristan Justice over at the Federalist.com. The article is entitled, Where is the FBI Raid of Joe Biden? Well, I mean,. It's a good question, and I sure wish that I had a good answer because I uh, i think you and I both know that's not going to happen. Now, if it were going to happen, there are some things already out there from Hunter Biden's laptop, right? Any, you know, if the Justice Department was still nonpartisan, there'd have been a special counsel a long time ago. Now, a guy who goes by Marco Polo USA has been leaking stuff from Hunter Biden's laptop. And I've been trying to get this on the show for a couple of weeks but now is as good a time as any. It doesn't get higher than this
2: on planet Earth. And what we have are actionable felonies that could be prosecuted, not only at the federal level, for which Joe will give him a pardon, even if it's the last thing he does, a la Mark Rich and the Clinton pardon scandal. But there are felonies within the statute of limitations, and that's what I'm concerned about. So we, in their state-level offenses, Hunter's financial advisor in Arkansas, Edward Pruitt, um, handled all of, his, all of his cash, all these wire transfers. All most of these are within the five year statute of limitations. And so to cut to the chase is this Joe Biden is personally involved in at least seven federal felonies, three of which are within the statute of limitations and can be actioned upon not only by US attorneys, but by local and state prosecutors. Now, there's a constitutional question about whether a sitting president can be indicted. But even if it's not Joe and it's his brother or his son, the trial will shed light upon Joe's involvement in those scenarios. And so there's no question that he's uh, – I mean, th- th- I'd answer it this way.
0: The double standard is absolutely breathtaking. Now, wait a minute. Let's back that up. I want to make sure you got this, okay? Let's just start it all over again. It
2: doesn't get higher than this on planet Earth, and what we have are actionable felonies that could be prosecuted, not only at the federal level, for which Joe will give him a pardon, even if it's the last thing he does, a la Mark Rich and the Clinton pardon scandal, but there are felonies within the statute of limitations. And that's what I'm concerned about. So, we, in their state level offenses, Hunter's financial advisor in Arkansas, Edward Pruitt, um, handled all of his all of his cash, all these wire transfers. All most of these are within the five year statute of limitations. And so, to cut to the chase, is this Joe Biden is personally involved in at least seven federal felonies, three of which are within the statute of limitations and can be actioned upon not only by U.S. attorneys but by local and state prosecutors. Now, there's a constitutional question about whether a sitting president can be indicted, but even if it's not Joe and it's his brother or his son, the trial will shed light upon Joe's involvement in those scenarios, and so there's no
0: question that he's uh, – Now, while he's trying to collect himself there, I found that fascinating. I did local talk radio in Little Rock, Arkansas, the capital of Arkansas, for over seven years. And I had no idea that Joe Biden had a financial advisor named Edward Pruitt in Arkansas. Really? I wonder if old Edward is uh, on LinkedIn. Isn't everybody on LinkedIn these days? I mean, surely, surely the Bidens aren't the only uh, client of Edward Pruitt, right? Surely he'd be out there on LinkedIn wanting to, um, wanting to get new business. Huh. Well, I wonder if it's this Edward Pruitt. I found one on the first, uh, the first page on LinkedIn. Now, I looked for P R U I T T. I it didn't occur to me to look for P R E W I T T, but LinkedIn is very helpful. And, They give you both. Um, Oh, I see. I'll bet this is the same one because he worked for Bill Clinton for three and a half years, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Intergovernmental Affairs, U.S. Department of Commerce. How about that? So this guy. Let me let me just back it up. I'm sorry. Y'all bear with me. Let me just back it up a little bit here. Joe Biden is
2: personally involved in at least seven federal felonies, three of which are within the statute of limitations and can be actioned upon not only by U.S. attorneys, but by local and state prosecutors. Now, there's a constitutional question about whether a sitting president can be indicted. But even if it's not Joe and it's his brother or his son, the trial will shed light upon Joe's involvement in those scenarios. And so there's no question that he's...
0: Uh, I mean, th- Wow. And Edward Pruitt, Arkansas. Interesting.
2: I'd answer it this
0: way: the double standard is
2: absolutely breathtaking. They created a total hoax for years, and my nonprofit has produced to the public the exact receipts that show that not only does this pale in comparison to what they accuse the former president of doing, but these these uh, these influence operations are still ongoing. So if anybody wants to look into the private equity fund, private, that Hunter Biden still owns. We put the exact business registration number and a list of their portfolio companies, because we have a laptop, that they're currently invested in. And so I have sent this to over four dozen liberal publications asking them to write a review of this. I finally have somebody at Politico who has committed to reading the whole thing, maybe not writing a report of it. A review of it, but I have been wanting uh, fair-minded people who aren't even right-wing like myself to try to explain this any other way, and Frank, every single person that I cite, that we cite in this for a statute violation, has been contacted by me or somebody on my team before publication, and we ask them for an alternative explanation, so Rob Walker, in this Ukrainian or in this Romanian FARA violation, we asked him, How else could we possibly read this? Is this not a FARA violation? Tell us some background here that would make this not a federal
0: felony. So, Rob Walker, they're talking about a FARA violation. Okay, Rob Walker apparently is also from Little Rock, Arkansas. Strange. And, uh, a FARA violation. That's talking about the fact that if you're an American citizen and, um, you decide to start representing, uh, foreign government, well, you, you have to register with the federal government. That's, um, that's what a FARA violation. Foreign Agents Registration Act. Now, you, the funny thing here is you expect to hear connections between Bill Clinton and folks in Arkansas because Bill Clinton was born and raised in Arkansas, you know, grew up in Arkansas, was governor there for 12 years. So, you know, he's going to have some connections in Arkansas. Well, what you don't expect is for Joe Biden to have connections with Arkansas. Anyway. Here's more from Marco Polo. And nobody even offers up a, complete, a, a competing explanation. They don't even
2: deny it. Mm. And that's that's the incredible thing is they don't even deny that this is his laptop. It's just that Joe was involved. And then once I show that, I show, once our team shows that, no, 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 Joe was involved, the... The uh, the goalpost keeps moving, and what's eventually going to happen is they're going to reach the stands. The goalpost can no longer keep moving, and if that's our contribution to the public debate, I'm very proud of it because eventually the, the goalpost is not going to be able to be moved anymore. It's essentially a RICO operation. Joe is the head of it. Hunter admitted to the RICO operation, and it's a RICO the statute was written by Robert Blakely. I called him, the guy who wrote the statute with the congressional committees in the 80s, and I said, Robert, can you help me with this dossier? He hung up the phone immediately because he worked for Joe Biden for six years as his lead counsel in the Judiciary Committee, the guy who wrote the RICO statute. And the RICO process is very simple. Joe oversees policy in a certain nation. Hunter goes over there and gets consulting contracts, and we add in all of the five Ws. Okay. Okay. Now,
0: I'll bet you any talk show host worth his salt these days is talking about Biden's papers and how hypocritical it is for the DOJ to act like it's no big deal and for them to wait until a couple of months after the election to talk about it, et cetera, et cetera. But are any of them going deeper and playing you the audio from this Marco Polo guy? I doubt it. And I've got more. By the way, did I I mention to you that Joe Biden must be impeached? Are you beginning to get a feel for it? I've got more audio from this Marco Polo guy. And I've got his website. If you want to see, if you want to see, what's on Hunter's laptop, I'll give you the website, and I'll give you more more audio from this guy. Okay? That's coming up straight ahead. Look, I've been talking about how the world is going crazy with supply chain issues and record-setting inflation, and sky-high gas prices, and woke corporations to stand against everything we believe in. We all know how the big box stores were allowed to stay open all during the pandemic, while so many little guys, small business owners, regular people, were forced to close, forced to shut down for good. The wealthiest people on earth became a lot better off, while mom-and-pop businesses suffered. The question is, what are we willing to do about it? What can we do about it? How can our voices be heard? Well, we can make a difference by voting with our dollars. Why continue shopping at big box stores if you can get the items you need from a family-owned company? Now, finally, we can shop factory direct at a family-owned, made-in-America manufacturer. Switch to America.com is helping Americans walk away from the big box conglomerates. That's why Switch to America was created, with regular folks like you and me in mind. One of the best ways to get around this crazy inflation is to shop with family-owned companies that put their customers first, rather than shareholders and corporate executives. A lot of patriot influencers have come aboard SwitchToAmerica.com. I'm inviting you to join with fellow patriots that cut off the cash flow of the big woke corporations. That are trying to destroy our country. We are done with a woke globalist operation against humanity. Each of us can take market share away from these businesses that have enjoyed unfair advantages. We can choose to help each other by shopping family owned, made in America. The website again is switchtoamerica.com. Join with over 2 million monthly shoppers that have already made the switch. Let's start voting with our dollars. To make sure our purchases are supporting companies that promote freedom. And by the way, Switch to America has just launched a new product Prime Beef with no antibiotics and no hormones. This is huge. SwitchtoAmerica.com is dedicated to offering family owned alternatives for items we buy on a regular basis. Just go to SwitchToAmerica.com. When they ask how you heard about us, click on my name, Doc Washburn, plug in your info, and I'll have one of my guys contact you. SwitchToAmerica.com. All right, now, the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, psoriasis, migraines? Well, the Arkansas Cervical Center might be able to help you, even if you don't live in Arkansas. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. Now, I had severe hay fever for five or six weeks, every spring, all my life. I had bad migraines year-round. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away. It's never come back. The migraines went away, and they never came back. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, psoriasis, migraines, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at Arkansas Upper Cervical Center at 501-279-2009 for a free consultation. They've helped me. They've helped my wife. They've helped so many people we know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number again for your free consultation, 501-279-2009. Or just go to the website, turnmypoweron.com. All right, let me tell you how you might be able to save some money on your monthly cell phone bill while doing the right thing. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier. And I am honored to be associated with them now more than ever. It's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, along with great discounts for our veteran and first responder heroes, as well as for multi-line users. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Switching is easy. Just go to PatriotMobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Make sure you use promo code DOC, D-O-C, for free activation. Now, if you're a conservative-owned business, tired of seeing your hard-earned dollars go to corporate woke agendas, switch to Patriot Mobile Business. That's right. Patriot Mobile now offers competitive business plans to suit companies of any size. Learn more at business.patriotmobile.com or call their 100% U.S.-based member services team at 469 Freedom. Use promo code DOC, D-O-C, for free activation. That's business.patriotmobile.com or call 469 Freedom. All right, let me give you some more audio from this Marco Polo guy and his website. Because this is, uh, I'll tell you, uh, when I heard this stuff the other day, I'm like, y'all, I ain't going to lie, fam, it just got real.
2: Everyone to look at
0: what businesses they were involved in. It wasn't just
2: that Joey and Hunter and Jimmy and Sarah Biden were wanting a uh, to get You know, Chinese businesses, U.S. patents. Joe was literally signing up, and his family took millions of dollars for being the U.S. face of the Belt and Road Initiative. That is what CEFC did. And that gets lost. And I apologize if I've not articulated that well until now, but CEFC was a Quasi-private, meaning it's a, there's no such thing as a private company in China. It was a fake private conglomerate oil company, energy company uh, from China that went from nowhere, circa 2003, to being like 300 on the on the Fortune 500 list in uh, 2016. And so, what Hunter was eager to do was spread the Belt and Road Initiative across the Western Hemisphere. That's what the U.S. First Family thought was a good was a good use of their time spreading the Belt and Road Initiative, it doesn't get – the The amount of subversion, is. it's hard to top that. It'd be one thing if they were trying to, as I mentioned, get these Chinese companies U.S. patents so they could sell their products here. What this amounted to and, – and Jimmy Biden actually created a dope chart of who they were going to approach. Gavin Newsom, he even included Rick Scott in there when he was the governor of Florida of people that they were going to approach – and they actually tried to get a meeting with, with Governor Cuomo, the disgraced pervert of New York. And um, and we put one of their invitations to Cuomo's team in our report as a FAR violation. And so once people dig into this Belt and Road Initiative, you all know about it, but once – the the uh, the broader American public does. They know that our city, the guy sitting in the Oval right now, was wanting to to basically spread Chinese colonialism across Colombia, the U.S. Even uh, it's breathtaking. And so, the most I can do is say that's a FAR violation. And because it's a FAR violation, the money's. Ingested by the Bidens are subject to forfeiture. All the money that Hunter got through CFC, like Paul Manafort, had to give up. Those are subject to forfeiture. Just like Sam Bankman-Fried is going to have to cough up those, that, that money. So, I think it doesn't get higher than this, Frank. And if anybody wants the specificity and is a, you know wants to read through six hundred pages, we've had great reviews so
0: far. I'll bet. That is amazing. But wait, wait, there is more. I've got another clip on this guy. And here it is. Humbly suggested to them that if they make a criminal
2: referral to the national DOJ, it's just going to go in the waste basket. So what they need to do is look at the state-level violations that we cite in this report, because I went through that. I mean, months of my life, the last 18 months, has been looking up state-level statutes, like, what is the statute for money laundering in Arkansas? What are the statute of limitations? What are the penalties? Hunter committed many money laundering violations in Arkansas, and so I said to those committees, if you do do a criminal referral, which anybody in their right mind would, send it to the AG, because, number one, Joey can't pardon them, so we might see some justice here. And secondly, any proper prosecution of these people is going to reveal Joe's connection. And, and remember, Joe's of a different generation than me and Hunter. And so a lot of this stuff he did over the phone. In fact, there's two U.S. attorneys who were, who stayed on after Trump left office. David Weiss, who's leading the investigation into Hunter right now in the District of Delaware. And then two hours north of me, the Northern District of Illinois with, uh, um, the, the U.S. Attorney there who indicted Michael Madigan, the longest standing or the longest serving, uh, house of the U.S. State House. Michael Madigan, the indictment, if you read it, says that he did all this over the phone and they got wiretaps. And so, so much of what the Congress could get a hold of, I can't get a hold of on this laptop because Joey did it over the phone or, you know, You'll need firsthand witnesses, and somebody will break. I told him to go after the low-hanging fruit, go after the young people, because some people overlook those folks. But Hunter's executive assistants know pretty much everything. that They, they managed his life. So I told him to look into – to subpoena the executive assistants because people overlook them, but yet they they do the nuts and bolts of this far-violating operation.
0: Isn't that remarkable? Now, the overwhelming majority of the people that listen to the Doc Washburn show are outside the state that I was in when I did my local talk radio show, Little Rock, Arkansas, for over seven years. But I still do have listeners in Arkansas. And they have a brand-new attorney general in Arkansas, This week. And if what this guy is saying is true, then it sounds like Hunter and Joe broke laws, serious laws, in Arkansas. Have you heard that anywhere? Oh, by the way, the brand new attorney general in Arkansas is a good guy. I've met him. I've interviewed him. So this is going to be interesting. Oh, look, I I promised. I promised I would give you the guy's website. It's marcopolousa.org. marcopolousa.org. If you want to see what's on Hunter's laptop, Because a lot of people have been very curious about that. This is the guy who's been breaking the news. Fascinating, isn't it? I mean, I wonder if that's true. I wonder if there is evidence on that laptop that Joe and Hunter broke laws in Arkansas. Because the point he's making is, if you're talking about federal laws, then Joe, because he stole the Oval Office, can pardon whoever he wants to. But the resident of the Oval Office can't pardon people for breaking state laws. You ever thought about it that way? It's true marco polo u s a dot if you wanna you do a little investigation yourself you know it's easy to remember remember when we were kids playing around in the pool whatever marco polo u s a dot yeah that's uh That's amazing stuff. By the way, Joe Biden the other day awarded infamous 2020 election workers with Presidential Citizens Medals. Did you hear about that? Like Ruby Freeman, the notorious election worker who was caught on surveillance video engaging in highly suspicious activity at the State Farm Center in Atlanta, Georgia, during the 2020 election. Oh, oh, and her daughter who was her boss, her supervisor, Shea Moss. Remember that? Everybody's wondering, okay, when do they get indicted? No, no. No, they get get medals from Joe Biden for helping him steal the election, for helping him steal Georgia. Y'all, the government is, is corrupt. I just wanted you to know the government is corrupt. Now, let me share with you a little bit more here because we need to talk about, well, Andy Biggs' response to this thing Congressman Andy Biggs out of Arizona, one of the guys that was holding out to try to get concessions from um, now Speaker Kevin McCarthy. He said Biden stole classified documents and stored them at his think tank while he was vice president. The vice president does not have any authority to declassify classified documents. And this think tank received $54 million in funding from the Communist Chinese Party. He says, the Biden family highly concerns me. Joe, Hunter, even Dr. Jill. They are compromised and must be investigated. Now, you know, it's great that Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert and a handful of other folks went to the mat to try to get some concessions from Kevin McCarthy if he really wanted the job. Okay, that's great and they got their uh their rules package voted on and it passed that's great but the proof is in the pudding if they don't go ahead and impeach this guy then you know i think it's all it's going to be all for naught so the Attorney General of the state of Missouri joined with the Attorney General of the state of Louisiana some months back to sue the Biden administration. Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt ran for and won a seat in the United States Senate. So a guy named Andrew Bailey took over for him. And here's what he is saying. When I took office, I swore that I would protect the Constitution. Here's why. We now have hard evidence that Joe Biden's administration colluded with social media companies, to censor differing viewpoints and silence so-called misinformation that was later deemed to be true. And so he's got a screenshot from an email. He says, here, a White House employee asks Twitter to silence Robert F. Kennedy Jr., a known critic of the White House's COVID-19 narrative. He's got another screenshot of another email. He says, here, the Biden White House directs Facebook to shut down conservative voices Tucker Carlson and Tommy Laren. Then another screenshot. Here's an example of big tech towing the line for Biden. And this is, um, this is from Google. Here's more collusion. And this is uh, a screenshot about the Children's Health Defense, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s organization being censored online. Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey continues, the truth no no longer matters to the White House. They really couldn't care less about products unless they're having measurable impact on suppressing speech. Wow. More email screenshots. Here's evidence that this scheme starts at the highest, and I mean highest levels, of the White House. Again, that is a quote from a screenshot from Rob Flaherty. I'm going to tell you who he is in a minute. Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey says, these emails confirm what we've known all along, the Biden administration has been colluding with social media companies to stifle opposing voices. I will continue to push back against this blatant attack on the first amendment with every tool at my disposal. Okay. Um more felonies. You know? They are violating your first amendment rights. You got to impeach this Biden guy. You got to impeach him. And look, I know that to impeach him doesn't mean he's going to be removed from office. Not everybody realizes that. To impeach means he loses the vote in the House. Then you have to put on a trial in the Senate, and you're not going to kick him out of office unless 67 senators vote against him. And no Democrats are going to vote against him because, well, the possible exception of uh, Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin. But you got to have 67. And that's not going to happen. Well, Doc, why waste the time and the money? Because it's the right thing to do because the Constitution says it. That's why. That's why. You don't act like he's okay. He's not okay. He's not. Wall Street Journal. Article from Monday. Monday. January 9th, the White House COVID censorship machine. And they say newly released documents show the White House has played a major role in censoring Americans on social media. Email exchanges between Rob Flaherty, the White House's director of digital media, and social media executives prove the companies put COVID censorship policies in place in response to relentless coercive pressure from the white house, not voluntarily. The emails emerged January 6th and the discovery phase of Missouri versus Biden, a free speech case brought by the attorney generals of Missouri and Louisiana and four private plaintiffs represented by the new civil liberties Alliance. On March 14th, 2021, Mr. Flaherty emailed a Facebook executive whose name we've redacted as a courtesy with a subject line, you are hiding the ball. And a link to a Washington Post article about Facebook's own research into the spread of ideas that contribute to vaccine hesitancy, as the paper put it. The executive wrote back, I think there is a misunderstanding. Mr. Flaherty, again, The White House's director of digital media, Rob Flaherty, replied, I don't think this is a misunderstanding. We are gravely concerned that your service is one of the top drivers of vaccine hesitancy, period. We want to know that you're trying. We want to know how we can help, and we want to know that you're not playing a shell game. This would all be a lot easier if you would just be straight with us. In other words, they're demanding that Facebook... Censor people telling the truth about how horrible the vaccines are. Do you realize if I might dig if I may digress for a moment, do you realize that even now the federal government is funding programs with universities Paying them to study vaccine hesitancy. They're giving federal grants. Yeah, here's one 2022 Faculty Education Scholars Innovation Grant recipients. Marquita Genies, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics, Associate Residency Program Director at Johns Hopkins. Proposal title, Development, Implementation, and Evaluation of a Culturally Competent Curriculum to Address Vaccine Hesitancy. And who is mentoring her? Rachel Levine? His mama called him Richard. Yeah, that freak. The Deputy Secretary of Health and Human Services. The guy who pretends to be a woman. Vaccine hesitancy. Federal money. Anyway, let me go back to this. Wall Street Journal. On March 21st, after failing to placate Mr. Flaherty, the Facebook executive sent an email detailing the company's planned policy changes. They included removing vaccine misinformation and reducing the virality, things going viral, of content discouraging vaccines that does not contain actionable misinformation. Facebook characterizes material as often true content that can be framed as sensation, alarmist, or shocking. Facebook pledged to remove these groups, pages, and accounts when they are disproportionately promoting this sensationalized content. In that exchange, Flaherty from the White House demanded to know what Facebook was doing to limit the spread of viral content on WhatsApp, a private message app, especially given its reach in immigrant communities and communities of color. The company responded three weeks later with a a lengthy list of promises on April 9th. Mr. Flaherty asked, what actions and changes you're making to ensure you're not making our country's vaccine hesitancy problem worse? He faulted Facebook for insufficient zeal and earlier efforts to control political speech. So he's saying, we don't care about the First Amendment. You must obey. Here's the quote. In the electoral context, you tested and deployed an algorithmic shift that promoted quality news and information about the election. You only did this, however, after an election that you helped increase skepticism in and an insurrection which was plotted in large part by your platform, and then you turned it back off. I want some assurances based in, in data that you are not doing the same thing again here. And the Facebook executive's response was understood. I guess the beatings will continue until morale improves. It's one of those, thank you, sir, may I please have another, sir? On April 14th, Mr. Flaherty pressed the Facebook executive about why, quote, the top post about vaccines today is Tucker Carlson saying they don't work. Unquote. He said, I want to know what reduction actually looks like. The Facebook executive responded, running this down now. On April 23rd, Flaherty, digital director for the Biden regime, sent the Facebook executive an internal memo that he claims had been circulating in the White House. It asserts that Facebook plays a major role in the spread of COVID vaccine misinformation and accuses the company of, among other things, Failure to Monitor Events Hosting Anti-Vaccine and COVID Disinformation and Directing Attention to COVID Skeptics and Anti-Vaccine Trusted Messengers. On May 10th, the executive sent Flaherty a list of steps Facebook had taken to increase vaccine acceptance. Flaherty at the White House scoffed. He said, Hard to take any of this seriously when you're actively promoting anti vaccine pages in search. And he linked to a tweet from an NBC reporter. The Facebook executive wrote back, Thanks, Rob. Both of the accounts featured in this tweet have been removed from Instagram entirely for breaking our policies. Joe Biden, Press Secretary Jen Psaki, and Surgeon General Vivek Murthy later publicly vowed to hold the platforms accountable if they didn't heighten censorship. On July 16, 2021, a reporter asked Mr. Biden his message to platforms like Facebook. He replied, they're killing people. Got it? Now, Biden later claimed he meant Facebook users, not the companies themselves, were killing people. But the record shows Facebook itself was the target of the White House's pressure campaign. White House Digital Director Flaherty also strong-armed Google in April 2021. Imagine having the kind of power that you can strong-arm Google or Facebook. He accused YouTube, which Google owns, of funneling people into vaccine hesitancy. He said this concern was shared at the highest, and I mean the highest, levels of the White House and required more work to be done. Mr. Flaherty demanded to know what further measures Google would take to remove disfavored content. An executive responded that the company was working to address your concerns related to COVID-19 misinformation. These emails establish a clear pattern. Mr. Flaherty representing the White House expresses anger at the company's failure to censor COVID-related content. To his satisfaction, the companies changed their policies to address his demands. As a result, thousands of Americans were silenced for questioning government-approved COVID narratives. Two of the plaintiffs in the Missouri case, Jay Bhattacharya and Martin Kulldorff, are epidemiologists whom multiple social media platforms censored at the government's behest for expressing views that were scientifically well-founded but diverged from the government line. For instance, that children and adults with natural immunity from prior infection don't need COVID vaccines. Emails made public through earlier lawsuits, Freedom of Information Act requests, and Elon Musk's release of the Twitter files had already exposed a sprawling censorship regime. Involving the White House, as well as the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, Department of Homeland Security, DHS, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI, along with other agencies. The government directed tech companies to remove certain types of material and even to censor specific posts and accounts. Again, these included truthful messages casting doubt on the efficacy of masks, and challenging COVID-19 vaccine mandates. The First Amendment bars government from engaging in viewpoint-based censorship. The state action doctrine bars government from circumventing constitutional strictures by suborning private companies to accomplish forbidden ends indirectly. Defenders of the government have fallen back on the claim. The cooperation by the tech companies was voluntary, from which they conclude that the First Amendment isn't implicated. The reasoning is dubious, but even if it were valid, the premise has now been proved false. The flare to emails demonstrate that the federal government unlawfully coerced the companies in an effort to ensure that Americans would be exposed only to state-approved information about COVID-19. As a result of that unconstitutional state action, Americans were given the false impression of a scientific consensus on critically important issues around COVID-19. A reckoning for the government's unlawful, deceptive, and dangerous conduct is underway in court. It's a Wall Street Journal. The op-ed page. It's entitled, The White House COVID Censorship Machine. And it is written... By Jenin Eunes and Aaron Cariarty. And Ms. Eunes is litigation counsel at the New Civil Liberties Alliance, representing the private plaintiffs in Missouri versus Biden. And Dr. Cariarti is a senior scholar at the Brownstone Institute, a fellow of the Ethics and Public Policy Center, and one of the plaintiffs. So you got that. But wait. But wait, there is more. Alex Berenson. Does the name ring a bell, Alex Berenson? It should. So there have been a number of people whom have been allowed by Elon Musk to go through a lot of the Twitter files and come out with the stuff that they find. People like Matt Taibbi and um, Barry Weiss, a couple other people. Alex Berenson has now come out with his first Twitter file report about how Scott Gottlieb, a top Pfizer board member, used the same Twitter lobbyist as the White House to suppress debate on COVID vaccines, including from a fellow head of the FDA. Alex Berenson, last name spelled B-E-R-E-N-S-O-N, is an independent journalist writing over at Substack, .substack alexberenson.substack.com. He's the author of Tell Your Children and Pandemia, He was suspended from Twitter for quite a while. Elon Musk allowed him back on, and we're very thankful for that. And as people are dropping dead from the vaccine, more reason to impeach Joe Biden. All right, here's the latest from Alex Berenson over to Substack. From the Twitter files, Pfizer board member Scott Gottlieb secretly pressed Twitter to hide posts challenging his company's massively profitable COVID jabs. On August 27th, 2021, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, a Pfizer director with over 550 followers on Twitter, saw a tweet he didn't like. A tweet that might hurt sales of Pfizer's mRNA vaccines. The tweet explained correctly that natural immunity after COVID infection was superior to vaccine protection. It called on the White House to follow the science and exempt people with natural immunity from upcoming vaccine mandates. It didn't come from any so-called anti-vaxxers like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. No, 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 no. It came from a guy named Dr. Brett Girard, who used to be at the daily COVID Meetings in the West Wing of the White House where Fauci and Burks and Redfield and Gottlieb and Girard would all speak to the press. Dr. Brett Girard was a physician who had briefly followed Scott Gottlieb as the head of the FDA. Furthermore, the tweet actually encouraged people who did not have natural immunity to get vaccinated. No matter. No matter. That doesn't matter. By suggesting that some people might not need COVID vaccinations, the tweet could raise questions about the shots. Besides being former FDA commissioner, a CNBC contributor, and a prominent voice in COVID public policy, Scott Gottlieb, was also a senior board member at Pfizer, which depended on mRNA jabs for almost half its $81 billion in sales in the year 2021. Pfizer paid Gottlieb $365,000 for his work that year. Oh, so he was bought off pretty cheap then. Gottlieb stepped in, emailing Todd O'Boyle, a top lobbyist in Twitter's Washington office, was also Twitter's point of contact with the White House. Gottlieb wrote to O'Boyle that the post was corrosive. He worried that it would end up going viral and driving news coverage. Alex Berenson says, I found the email in a search of records I ran at Twitter last week. Part of Elon Musk's Twitter files effort to raise the veil on censorship decisions Twitter made before Musk bought the company in October. He says, I went into detail about my involvement at the Twitter files in a Substack article yesterday. I plan more reporting on the files in the weeks to come. But he says, through Jira, J-I-R-A, an internal system Twitter used for managing complaints, O'Boyle forwarded Scott Gottlieb's email to the Twitter strategic response team. That group was responsible for handling concerns from the company's most important employees and users. O'Boyle wrote, Please see this report from the former FDA commissioner failing to mention that Gottlieb was a Pfizer board member with a financial interest in pushing mRNA shots. A strategic response analyst quickly found the tweet did not violate any of Twitter's misinformation rules. Yet... Twitter wound up flagging Brett Girard's tweet anyway, putting a misleading tag on it and preventing almost anyone from seeing it. It remains tagged, even though several large studies have confirmed the truth of Girard's words. A week later, September third, 2021, Scott Gottlieb tried to strike again, complaining to O'Boyle about a tweet from Justin Hart. Now, I've interviewed Justin Hart. He's a good guy. Hart is a skeptic of the lockdowns and the COVID vaccine with more than 100,000 Twitter followers. Hart had written on a tweet, Sticks and Stones may break my bones, but a viral pathogen with a child mortality rate of like 0% has cost our children nearly three years of schooling. Why Scott Gottlieb objected to Justin Hart's words is not clear, but the Pfizer shot would soon be approved for children 5 to 11 years old, representing another massive market for Pfizer if parents could be convinced COVID was a real threat to their kids. O'Boyle referred to former FDA Commissioner Gottlieb when he forwarded the report, again ignoring Gottlieb's current work for Pfizer. This time, though, Gottlieb's complaint was so far afield that Twitter refused to act. At the same time, Gottlieb was also pressing Twitter to act against me. This is Alex Berenson talking here. As I disclosed on Substack on October thirteenth, 2022, drawing on documents that Twitter's pre-Musk regime provided to me as part of my lawsuit against it. Gottlieb's action was part of a larger conspiracy that included the Biden White House and Andrew Slavitt working publicly and privately to pressure Twitter until it had no choice but to ban me. I will have more to say about my own case, and I will be suing the White House, Slavitt, Gottlieb, and Pfizer shortly. The morning after I wrote that article, Gottlieb appeared on CNBC, the financial news channel, where he's a contributor and offer what at best was a seriously misleading explanation of his actions and his motives. Gottlieb did not deny pressing Twitter on me. He could not, given the documents I released the night before. But in an interview with Joe Kernan of CNBC, Gottlieb said he had asked Twitter to act only because he was concerned if tweets raised the threat of violence against vaccine advocates. Gottlieb said, The inability of these platforms to police direct threats, physical threats about people, that's my concern about what's going on in that ecosystem. Gottlieb told Kernan on CNBC, I'm unconcerned about debate being made. I'm concerned about physical threats being made for people's safety. In a tweet that morning, Scott Gottlieb doubled down writing, and I quote, Respectful. Debate and dialogue is one thing and should be encouraged and protected, but there's no place for targeted harassment and misleading dialogue which can instigate a small but persuadable group of people to make targeted and dangerous threats, unquote. But Brett Girard's tweet about natural immunity was the definition of respectful debate and dialogue. And in his own email to Todd Boyle, Scott Gottlieb, did not raise any security concerns about it. He simply complained that it might wind up driving news coverage. Now, Gottlieb is not just a Pfizer board member. He's one of seven members of the board's executive committee and the head of its regulatory and compliance committee, which oversees compliance with laws, regulations, and internal procedures applicable to pharmaceutical sales and marketing activities. Now Pfizer has a long history of violating drug industry laws and ethics rules. 2009, it agreed to pay 2.3 billion with a B dollars, the largest healthcare fraud settlement in American history, for fraudulently marketing several drugs. In 1996, Pfizer conducted a clinical trial of an antibiotic in Nigeria, in which 11 children died and which became the inspiration for Jean Le Carre's novel, The Constant Gardener. And here's a screenshot from the Atlantic magazine, certainly not to be confused with being a conservative outlet. Article entitled, Did Pfizer Bribe Its Way Out of Criminal Charges in Nigeria? Subtitled, WikiLeaks Cables, shed new light into one of Big Pharma's darkest hours from December 27, 2010 in the Atlantic. Alex Berenson continues. He says, so how will Pfizer react to the black and white proof from Twitter's records that one of its most powerful board members secretly tried to suppress debate on the mRNA jabs that have have been by far its best-selling product since 2020? And will CNBC continue to let Gottlieb use it to mislead the public? Well, I hope not, but I'd be surprised if they would do anything about it, wouldn't you? I mean, forgive my cynicism here, but I just, I, I don't think, that it's reasonable to predict that they would do anything about it. Now then, I do have part two from the Missouri Attorney General, Andrew Bailey. And this dropped Monday evening, January 9th. He said, our office has even more hard evidence that Biden's administration has been working with social media to suppress free speech. In regard to anti-vax posts, White House Digital Director Rob Flaherty tells Facebook that slowing it down seems reasonable. Flaherty vehemently disagrees with Facebook's decision not to take down a Tucker Carlson video on COVID-19 vaccines, stating, quote, not for nothing, but last time we did this dance, it ended in an insurrection, unquote. Flaherty tells Twitter that, quote, if your product is appending misinformation to our tweets, that seems like a pretty fundamental issue, unquote. Now remember, Flaherty is the digital deputy director of the White House. Facebook assures Flaherty that, quote, in addition to removing vaccine misinformation, We have been focused on reducing the virality of content discouraging vaccines that does not contain actionable misinformation, including often true content, unquote. So they know they're getting rid of true content. Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey continues here in this thread on Twitter. Facebook assures Flaherty that they, quote, remove claims public health authorities tell us have been debunked, or are unsupported by evidence, unquote. Yeah, rather than doing their own research. Yeah, that's good. Flaherty accuses Twitter of total Calvin ball. Now, that's from uh, the old Calvin and Hobbes comic strip. Flaherty accuses Twitter of total Calvin ball and bending over backwards to tolerate disfavored speech after Twitter refuses to comply with White House demands to censor a video. Clarity demands that Facebook step up its operations of, quote, removing bad information, unquote, on vaccines. Now, here's a quote from Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey. I want to protect Missourians and the freedoms they enjoy, which is why, as Attorney General, I will always defend the Constitution. This case is about the Biden administration's blatant disregard for the First Amendment and its collusion with social media companies. Suppress speech it disagrees with. I will always fight back against unelected bureaucrats who seek to indoctrinate the people of this state by violating our constitutional right to free and open debate. And he has a link. He says, read more about our lawsuit and find the full emails here. And the link is to Andrew Bailey, Missouri Attorney General's website, ago.mo.gov. So it's got the, the whole explanation there for what's going on. All right. Good guy, by the way. Good guy. Andrew Bailey, Attorney General of Missouri. Fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what. I believe it's about time to say, hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Don Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by Red River Your Way. RedRiverYourWay.com. Big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice, the way you want to online. Have delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. Now, sad to uh, report the news. You Are you familiar with diamond and silk? couple of ladies, I, I believe they're related and they have been big fans of President Trump for a long time. President Trump broke the news on the evening of Monday, January 9th that Lynette Hardaway, 51 years old. Uh, of Diamond and Silk has passed away. And somebody went on Twitter and um, had video, Diamond and Silk, just wonderful folks, just wonderful folks, a great sense of humor. Somebody went on Twitter and shared a video of Diamond and Silk reacting in hilarity at something Joe Biden said, and let's see if you can catch it. I hope I hope the audio is good enough. Two words:
2: made in America.
0: I hope you understood what Joe Biden said. Two words made in America, and <laughs> and diamond and silk. They're off to the races at that point. It reminds me of what my mother would say when we were real little, little, and if we got to laughing about something because it was just so funny and we couldn't stop laughing, and Mama would say, "Well." It sounds like your tickle box got turned over. On the next episode of the Doc Washburn Show, I plan to share with you an undercover video. James O'Keefe, Project Veritas, released of a top executive with Pfizer admitting he was concerned that their COVID vaccine might get pulled off the market. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In the meantime, you've been listening to episode 318 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, Simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansoor's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansoor Sempier X. And that's the way it is. Monday, January 9th, 2023.